Hi there, good morning. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast and really hope you're enjoying your Easter weekend. We're giving you a chance once again to go to Sandown Park, but this time you can go for free. You can win two places in their Premier Lounge, which is pretty swanky, and you can win those places for the Bet365 Jumps finale on Saturday the 29th of April. What a day that promises to be, as well as two annual memberships to Sandown Park for the remainder of the 2023 season. So a luxury VIP trip to Sandown on Bet365 Jumps Finale Day and two annual memberships for the remainder of 2023. You just need to fill in a form to enter this competition and you can do that by visiting thejockeyclub.co.uk forward slash Nick Luck. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Tuesday, the 11th of April. Beautiful, bright morning here in TW11. Hope you all enjoyed the Easter weekend. News just dropping as we're recording here that Brave Man's Game will run in the bowl, the Alderhay Bowl at Aintree. Uh, Paul Nichols confirming that he will run in the sole ownership of Brian Drew. So John Dance's name taken off the ownership of that horse, but he has been granted permission to run by the BHA in sole ownership of Brian Drew. More of which in a few moments' time. When he does run in the bowl, he'll take on a Hoy Senor, the horse who was swinging along so merrily when coming to grief six out in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. However, that horse will not be ridden by his regular partner Derek Fox, who is also set to ride the Grand National favourite, Corak Rambler. Fox hopes to be back in time to ride the Grand National favourite, but I've been talking to trainer Lucinda Russell to try and find out what exactly is going on. Yeah, I mean, it was... um, Derek had a fall at Weatherby. He's uh, re... um injured it he's got a, a problem with his shoulder and uh, he seems to just that's flared up again so um he's he's just a little bit sore and he said look uh you know current rambler in the national of the weight that he's got that's the sort of aim for him this this whole year has been has been the aim current rambler in the national so i think he's going to have to um he's going to look after himself and just get himself right for that race um it does unfortunately mean that he, he won't be able to ride a horse in your in the bowl, but um, we've got a very able substitution, Brian Hughes, who's actually just been in today and schooled him, and everything went really well there. So um, it's a bit of a shame for, for for Derek, but I think he's doing absolutely the right thing, and I think we've got to be we've got to be sensible about it. And as I say, current rounder ten five in the national, it has to be his aim. Uh, I mean, Derek, as you say, he knows his injury very well. You know him very well as well. He's he's not going to take you down the garden path unless he thinks he's. Pretty damn sure he's going to be able to ride this horse. Oh, I mean, the you know, you know, Nick, we're we're very close here as a team, and um, we're very close to each other. And I think we've been talking about it the whole way through. And I think it's a it's a decision that Derek has made that has been you know we've we've helped with it. Scoo and myself have discussed it. We had a long conversation yesterday about it, and I think it's really hard for him. I mean, it's it's killing him not to ride a horse in Europe, but it's it's the right thing to do and I think it's a decision that he's he's made um and it's a it's a very wise decision I'm absolutely behind him all the way I support him totally in that decision um I don't I don't want to get into kind of 
um, doomsday scenarios, but well, it's not a doomsday scenario, but a worst case scenario. Uh, if he if he is is not fit or the shoulder gets worse by Saturday and he can't ride Corrick Rambler, have you got a contingency plan? <laughs> Yeah, we have. I mean, it has to be said that Brian Brian also scored Karak up the national fences this morning. So um, I suppose that would be a contingency plan. But I'm I'm pretty sure in my own mind, I'd say I'm 98.99% sure that Derek will be riding him on, on Saturday and that he'll be fit to do that. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a, it's not a horrendous injury that he's got. He's just, he's just got a flare up of an old injury. So um, he knows himself and um, he's he's just got to do the right thing for himself. All right, quite important news then from Lucinda Russell about the well-being of, of Derek Fox. Lee Motter said with me listening to that, Oof, uh, it's going to be an anxious week, I suppose, but it's a good job they are a tight team because they obviously trust each other to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, goodness, w- w- what a what a situation to be in if you are connected to the Grand National favourite to, at this stage, not really be completely sure if a jockey who not only rides that horse, but rides that horse incredibly well. I don't think anyone would dispute the fact that Korak Rambler wouldn't be the easiest ride in the world. Derek Fox is extremely good at riding him, as we've seen in the last two runnings of the Ultima Handicap Chase. But it sounds as though if Derek Fox does ride the horse in the Grand National, and Lucinda Russell says 98% sure he will, he'll be going into that as his first ride off an injury. And whilst, as Lucinda says, it's not a a serious injury, you wouldn't have thought it could possibly be an ideal scenario to be going into the race as your first ride back. And I suppose it's also um, inevitably going to be a question for, for punters because, I mean, this horse has got a, a fantastic chance on paper and you, you heard there Lucinda Russell gleefully saying 10 stone 5, 10 stone 5. He has a, a wonderful chance. But I guess for punters, it will be a question um, of A, if Derek Fox um, rides a horse, it's his first ride back from injury. If that 2% option comes in and Brian Hughes rides a horse, he's a jockey who doesn't know the horse in the way that Derek Fox does. Um, and I wonder if bookmakers will react to this when we get particularly, I suppose, to to Friday evening when the the Saturday morning prices, in effect, are, are, are redone. Um, but it's a really dramatic situation to be in with a Grand National favourite. Now, Eagle Eye Motter's head spotted that Theo Gillard was jocked up to ride Minella Trump for Donald McCain, to whom I spoke yesterday, at which point we were assuming that Brian Hughes would ride Minella Trump. Now, you and I were trying to put two and two together and coming up with five, I think, because I, I rang Donald again and he said, look, after we spoke yesterday, he and Tim Leslie had had a chat about Manella Trump and they thought it would be a lovely thing to do and, and thought it would be appropriate to give Theo Gillard a ride in the Grand National. He's a big part of the team there at Donald McCain's yard. Uh, he's ridden the horse before. And so Theo Gillard is, was, was going to get the ride on Manella Trump come what may. So don't don't read anything to, into that is what Donald is saying in terms of Brian needing to be available for Correct Rambler. Yeah, um, a nice thing to do. I mean, Nick, I interpret a nice thing to do as, you know, giving my seat up on the bus to a little old lady um, who, who needs the seat. I wouldn't necessarily think of it as giving someone a ride in the Grand National, particularly when Brian Hughes had ridden that horse uh, on 13 consecutive occasions mm. prior to the horse's first run this season when Theo rode the horse and he was seventh of seven at Bangor. 
Uh, it's a nice thing to do, sure, but it's also quite a surprising thing to do. Yes, good luck to Theo Gillard and Manella Trump, whose chance was discussed by Donald McCain on this podcast yesterday. Now, where are we at in terms of filling this field? I'll put my neck on the line, and I don't think I need to put my neck on the line too much and say I think there's going to be 40 declarations for this race. But um, the the Elliot factor needs a bit of needs a bit of explaining here, Lee. So at the moment, let's read down. Thirty six Dunboyne, we expect to run. Thirty seven Frankie de Burley, thirty eight Fortescue. Back on the lash, uh, Harry Redknapp's horse has got in. Of course, Fortescue. We heard from his trainer Henry Daly on the pod last week. And now Deffy Bleu, Gevre, Punitive, and Milan Native all ran in the Irish National under the terms of the entry. They're not allowed to run in the Grand National because they ran after the last confirmation on Monday. Then you get to 44, born by the sea, who effectively now becomes 40. He does become 40, and he is definitely 40, Nick, because he is the only horse who is scheduled to carry nine stone, 10 pounds. Just as a reminder um, of some of the rules in relation to the Grand National, you can get confusion where you see a horse on a particular number um, and assume that horse is in the race. Well, if, if more than one horse is on an allocated weight, the handicapper at time of declarations, or before declarations, in fact, will reassess those horses based on what they have done since the weights were allocated. So a horse can actually jump above another horse if they're on when they're on the same weight. But because Born by the Sea is the only horse on nine stone ten, he is clear on position forty. Positions forty-one and forty-two and forty-three, in effect, at the moment are held by Fakira mortal and darren's hope mm. so um should one of the top 40 horses come out of the grand national and law of averages i think would say that based on previous years it is perhaps unlikely that between now and thursday at 10 a.m every horse will uh get through having every meal and not standing on a stone well should should one horse come out uh, then in that instance, Fakira, Mortal and Darren's Hope, although they currently in that order in the race card, the handicap would have to look at what those horses have done um, since the weights were allocated and decide what order um, those yeah. horses in, should be placed in. In which case, Darren's Hope would be the one that would get the run. And we spoke to her, her trainer, Bob Murphy, on the podcast last week uh, so he'll be having a few anxious moments gordon elliott has not expressed any any suggestion that either fakira or mortal are likely runners um and then you get to captain catterstock and fergal o'brien said he would run if he got in so we're going to get a full field or we're going to get a full field of declarations i would think unless there are you know are many stones trodden on between now and thursday morning that's right, Nick. I, I think you're right. Um, Evan Williams was saying in the post this morning that he has pretty much given up hope that Secret Reprieve would get in the race. He only has, well, he, he's, he's joined one of three horses at the bottom of the weights, Captain Catastock, Secret Reprieve and uh, Fantastic has. And I think that's right. And what we have to remember, though, is that this year there are no reserves in the Grand National. So if you're not in the race at 10 a.m. on Thursday morning, you're not in the race. Um, so a, a, an earlier cutoff point this year. So for those who are just below the cutoff point, you're not going to get in if you're not in at Thursday at 10 o'clock. Now, another little bit of news just dropping as we're recording this, Lee, is that um, Brave Man's Game, contrary to some expectation, 
is going to run in the Alder Hay Bowl uh, under the sole ownership of Brian Drew. This was the Gold Cup runner-up. It was co-owned by John Dance, much in the news in recent days, owing to what's been happening with the company that he founded, Vertem, and its parent company, Wealth Tech. Um, it has been um, suggested that uh, John Dance is not able to run any horses at the moment. We went into this in some depth yesterday uh, and speculated as to whether Brave Man's Game would be allowed to run in the bowl. It, it has been um, made clear to me that he will run in the sole ownership of Brian Drew, which is good for the race, Lee, in the first instance. Yes, and um, I think that is our most pressing um, concern, um, Nick. John Dance's situation is John Dance's um, situation. There will be, I'd imagine, a series of uh, huge consequences that come from it. But most immediately, I think racing fans would have been really, really disappointed if, as a result of that aforementioned situation, Brave Man's Game hadn't been able to run in the bowl at Aintree. Uh, it's good that he can run. It's good that he's now, uh, for that reason, in the sole ownership of Brian Drew. And we have got um, a humongously uh, good contest for the bowl this year. Ahoy, senor, Aplutar, Brave Man's Game, Conflated, Garlor, Shishkin. It's an absolute humdinger, followed 35 minutes later by Constitution Hill uh, going in the Aintree hurdle. What an incredible day. Uh, to be at Aintree on Thursday. Yeah, it is indeed a, a brave man's game, as we've been discussing um, throughout the podcast so far. Of course, Lee, what this does tell us is that, and again, we don't know whether it's by Dance's choice in collaboration with the authorities or whether it's the, the specific behest and order of the BHA or indeed the order of higher authorities. But at the moment, clearly, John Dance can't have any runners. No, exactly. And I think it's inevitable um, at a time like this, Nick, that you have more questions unanswered than answered. We know what is in the in the public domain, uh, That what you referenced there, Nick, about John Dance's company. We know that a 48-year-old man um, was arrested and we know that no horses have raced in John Dance's colours since then. Um, there will be lots of questions to say ongoing at the minute. So what happens to the rest of those horses? Um, what happens to uh, the racing operation that the dancers have created under James Horton as trainer? What happens to a series of major race sponsorships, including the Fatone Futurity at Doncaster? All these things still have to be resolved, although based on what we've seen um, in the news and what we know about John Dance's company uh, situation, the racing thing might well not be the most pressing thing on his mind right now. All right, Willie Mullins yesterday talked us through his Grand National Quintet. I was most struck by his comments about Capadano. Um, but anyway, yesterday, his stable jockey, Paul Townend, who he thought would choose to ride Gaillard de Menil, produced something um, magical aboard the rather quirky I Am Maximus in uh, the Irish Grand National uh, at Fairy House. Amongst Townend's many admirers was his predecessor in the role, Ruby Walsh, on duty as an analyst for RTE Racing yesterday. Uh, I spoke to him a little earlier and just asked him why this was such a good ride. Why was it so good? Because I would imagine Nick at the back of the third fence, he could have justified pulling him up. Um, he gave him a couple of reminders after the sixth fence. He made a mistake at the twelfth. Uh, he could have. That was what twelfth is the first fence away from the stands or the last actually. And the first circuit is twelve in the circuit. And um, if he had come in the 
parade ring gate after going a circuit nobody would have said anything um, and then he headed away out in the second circuit and after Royal Pagoy fell at the 15th fence he could have pulled up there as well but he didn't and when he turned to Ballyhack and passed a couple of horses and started to get involved in the race then Paul Townend reverted from riding a cajoling race to riding a waiting race and even when the horses got in front of him six out five out you could see Paul going from the outside drifted back in a bit to get some cover into the home straight he switched wide to follow maybe Jevry then decided no he was going to follow Panda Boy and Dolcita switch back over to Jevry at the second last and then when Jevry went on he switched over to the right hand side for more cover to deliver a challenge after the last now it's people talk about timing and I always found it hard when you put jumps in the way to probably deliver your challenge exactly when you wanted to because you can never foresee what way a horse is going to jump a fence or a hurdle for that matter. But to have the confidence to be two lengths down, going to the last, bank on the jump and put yourself in front halfway up the, halfway up the running, I think as near as you get to perfection in jump racing. And the horse we know quite well now, He he's talented, but he is difficult. He is a bit of a monkey. And, and a race like that... When I see the the speed that they go over those first few fences, you think, well, if a horse doesn't really love this, he's probably going to say, not for me today, if you don't mind. Yeah, but I suppose the other side of that kind is when you get 30 runners, there's a chance there's going to be a couple back there with you. So once you have company and don't get disattached, you can always keep cajoling a horse like him. And that was the important part, not to get, detached off the back of the field once he could hang on to one or two at the back and keep hanging on to their tails eventually you're going to get past one and when you're riding a horse a bit of a character like him as soon as you pass one well then they decide well sure here maybe we'll go and pass all the rest um and and that's what he did but it was it was two things it was tenacity early not to give up and then to revert to actually riding a race from six out um you know, it was, just, it was two ways of riding a horse, both put into the one effort. All right, that was Ruby Walsh um, talking about yesterday's winning ride in the Irish National. Paul Townend on I Am Maximus. Maximus, he, he has often not really been in the past, but Maximus, he was most certainly made to be by an extraordinary effort in the saddle yesterday, Lee. I mean, no, neither of us is going to put it better than Ruby. Other than All we can do is just say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. It it was um, exceptionally, uh, exceptionally good. Um, I think if you're watching that race at halfway, you would pretty much have given up hope if you're an I, I am Maximus uh, backer. I think Willie Mullins had suggested he thought a horse was going to be pulled up at one point, but Paul Townend took that inspired decision to rip up the pre-race plan, get the horse wide, almost let the horse do it his own way and that way worked it was a stunning uh, piece of jockeyship by Paul Townend uh, I think you also have to say um, from team McManus it was an inspired purchase because I've got to say my eyebrows were raised when I saw they bought I Maximus off um, Mike Gretsch he wasn't a horse that I thought had particularly dazzled um, as a novice chaser this season, albeit he ran fourth at the festival. He didn't seem like an obvious one to me, but my goodness, they got it right. They bought themselves an Irish Grand National winner. They did. The other notable point from yesterday's racing at Ferry House was 
uh, the return of Monkfish, who ran a very creditable race behind his stable companion, Asterian Falange. In fact, they pretty much did exactly what Mullins predicted on the podcast yesterday. So uh, all power to him. But it was nice to see the, the, the I was going to say gawky chestnut Monkfish, but that's rather rude. Um, gawky but extraordinarily talented chestnut Monkfish back uh, to, to finish second. Yeah, he, he he's never going to have a modelling career, um, but he's an extremely smart racehorse and he has been uh, sorely missed um, since that superb novice chase season, albeit it was one that maybe ended slightly more tamely than we had expected. He was still a really smart, exciting novice chaser. Uh, it's taken a long time to get him back. Um, I was actually, again, surprised that we saw him um, at Fairy House yesterday. I'd, I'd half assumed that we wouldn't see him at all this season, um, but it looks like it was actually a very clever move. They brought him back in a in a grade two hurdle race, just beaten by his stable companion, Asterian Falange, but he finished the race off extremely well, and it now looks as though he will go for the three-mile grade one champion status hurdle at the Punchestown Festival, and hopefully that will provide a springboard for next season, albeit if he does go down the Gold Cup route, there's a rather good horse in the stable who might well be trying to uh, defend his crown. Well, you saw yesterday a super comeback from Monkfish off the track for over 700 days, and there will be plenty of people, both flat supporters and National Hunt followers, who will be hoping for a, a similar story at Nottingham uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, when Buzz, Nicky Henderson's very talented dual-purpose horse, makes his comeback uh, having had a pretty serious injury as he was being prepared as favourite for the long walk hurdle at the back end of 2021. So he runs on the flat in the further flight. He's got a formidable opponent in Trushan. And Buzz's exploits are notable, not just because he's a very good horse, because a lot of the prize money that he earns goes to some pretty important uh, charitable ventures. Jess Stafford from Thurlow Thoroughbreds is, is on the line now. Let's talk about the horse first, Jess. Uh, this recovery has been well documented by you, but it's been a, a painstaking one. How's he doing? Yeah, thank you, Nick. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty heartbreaking. Um, the day before the long walk hurdle, as you mentioned, twenty twenty one, he was uh, he was favourite, even money favourite for the race. He just won the Ascot hurdle, the Cesarowicz, and was sort of um, riding on the crest of a wave, really, with him. And he got to the top of um, the hill at Seven Barrows, routine bit of canter work, and he just went um and it was a fractured pelvis that they diagnosed him with and it's pretty it's pretty tough what a horse has had to s sustain when that happens and um, he was cross-tied in his in his box at seven barrows for i think it was six or seven weeks just standing there couldn't move and uh, i mean you've got to have a pretty tough constitution um and be a very mentally sound horse to accept that um and i think being completely helpless and what I could do, I literally didn't know, no, not, nothing we could have done other than sort of tell everyone and show everyone that this horse has just been incredible, really, what he has to get on with. Um, so I thought social media is the best way of showing that off. And he was, he just allowed the routine of it just to happen. And he has recovered, I mean, extraordinarily, really. The bone was healed by August. And um, the vet, who's been, who's just been amazing, Dave Matheson from um, Donington Grove, said that recovery rate is really good, but you've just got to let nature take its course. And he had a good few months at Hillwood Stud, where a lot of Nicky Henderson horses go throughout the summer, just 
living in a pen for a bit and just slowly building up to more and more freedom. And then he started getting ridden again um, in September at uh, pre-training yard, Greta Mason, she's called who, is a event rider. And the big thing with pelvises is is that there's so much muscle wasted in and around afterwards. So building up your muscles is so crucial. And so you learn to be a bit of a dressage horse to really help those muscles there. And... It was amazing. He just loved life. And I think what's really crucial for me was to show the world as much as I can that horses, just because they get injured, doesn't mean that they, you know, don't want to come back again. And these racehorses, they just, they want to, they want to be horses again. And I loved showing everyone what he was getting up to in the process of coming back into training and how much we, you know, people started really rooting for him as well. And then he came back to Seven Barrows in January. Um, and I think what was really special was that his um, very loyal partner, um, Reggie, came back from, he had actually moved on from Nicky Henderson's and he came back to join him again and be part of his training process. And so from January up until now, he's been back in full training and he's just loving it he just loves being a racehorse again so it's been a long 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 journey um so we're very 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 proud of him and he's coming back in a tough race and i'm sure you just want to see him back in one piece Uh, but tell us why his his exploits are so important to, to you and your family in particular and and about the money that he's already raised yeah so he look he became a bit of a celebrity i think because you know he's a gray he's very lovable he's very tough he you know he puts his all into all his races he did the unusual thing that a lot of horses don't do you know being a very top quality flat and stash and jump horse winning the cesarich and then going on winning that ask at hurdle and showing to be good at both levels but i think the public and a lot of people have really got behind what he's been doing and that's the raising money through the prize money's earned, which is so difficult, you know, how little prize money there can be, but 250 grand race in Cesarewitch, 25% of that going to the Royal Marsden, which is a, a big, big cancer um, hospital in London. They also have their own charity endeavours and it's a place very special to us. My aunt was worked there for 30, 40 years. My mum was actually treated there a couple of years ago during the, while the syndicate was up and running so it suddenly became not as a great venture became a very important venture for us and um, we have another horse in the syndicate Achilles who we actually sold at the end of last year for 300,000 and a percentage of her um, money that she earned at the sales has also gone to the charity so in total I think it's nearly £200,000 that we've raised for the charity so it's great and I love listening to Warren Great Tricks say on Sunday on your show about now that they've, he's putting a syndicate together for James's place and, and racing can do so much good for things outside of just our sport but something that means a lot to people and I think it's it's great what we can give back so hopefully Buzz can keep doing it but as you say this race at Nottingham is tough but it's an achievement to get there um, but what a race that they've got with True Shine and Mojo Star so pleased to be part of it. All right, lovely to hear there from uh, from Jess Stafford about Buzz, and who knows, he might be in the stairs hurdle next year if all if all goes well. Lee is back with me. Lee, we should talk about the latest protocols from Racing Victoria um, with regard to horses travelling down for the Spring Carnival in Melbourne. This has been the subject of, of quite a bit of consternation from European connections over the last few years. What's changed, if anything? Well, at first glance, Nick, you might say 
not a lot has changed. But actually, I think what Racing Victoria have announced is potentially quite significant. In terms of the the veterinary protocols, not a lot has changed. Um, radiographs will no longer be mandatory, according to the, the RV statement, but may be directed to be undertaken at the discretion of Racing Victoria. Uh, and the pre-travel inspection and imaging window is going to open earlier on August the 1st, for all international horses with the entry date for the um the melbourne cup pushed back into september i think where the really interesting point on this is is that they say within the press release that there will now be a requirement for improved operational communication methods and processes to enhance the experience of connections completing the veterinary protocols. This will include the appointment of a case manager for international contenders. Now, I think where this is important, Nick, is that it's not only been the case with uh, European trainers in particular, I think that they have had uh, serious reservations about the enhanced veterinary protocols that Racing Victoria introduced following the death of Anthony Van Dyke in 2020. His was the, the latest in a series of of deaths of international horses in in melbourne they've not only had issues about the the measures themselves but also how they've been implemented and it is no secret that the relationship between racing victoria's general manager of veterinary services grace forbes and some european trainers has not been as good as it could be and some of those trainers have i think resented the approach taken by RV and the way that approach has been implemented. And I think it has long been felt, well, certainly last year, that if there was a perhaps an additional layer brought in to uh, change the relationship between RV and those trainers, that could help. And I think this announcement that there will be case managers and they will seek to work harder on communications is recognition of the fact that I say it's not just the protocols, but it's how those protocols have been managed in the last two years that has caused a problem. Because whilst, for example, on, on Saturday, we saw William Haggis winning another renewal of the Queen Elizabeth Stakes with Dubai Honour. William, although a huge fan of Australian racing, has been absent from the Spring Carnival. We've not seen Charlie Appleby have horses since Grace Forbes ordered Dispolini uh, to be ruled out of the 2019 Melbourne Cup. Obviously, we've not seen Aidan O'Brien for a while. I think Racing Victoria will hope, uh, and the Victoria Racing Club that owns Melbourne, that owns Flemington, will hope that this improvement in communications will be seen by those European trainers as an acknowledgement that Racing Victoria recognises that particular problem and is working to fix it. So I think we all we all want to see more international participation in the Spring Carnival and particularly in the Melbourne Cup. And let's keep fingers crossed that as a result of what's happened overnight in Australia, that that might well happen. Right, well, I've been working my way around trying to get to just about everyone in the last week or so, and we've got a few days left. So here we go. Here's Joe Tizard, the big breakaway, was second in the Welsh National. Uh, Joe, how, how confident are you feeling of a, of a decent run this week? Well, I'm really happy with the horses out in front of me now, actually, and um, I'm really happy. I mean, obviously, he never got into any sort of rhythm at, at Cheltenham, and it just didn't pan out. But um, if you look back at that Welsh national run with top weight, it was, uh, it was a really strong run. So, um, 
We've actually taken him on a couple of little away days, had a bit of fun with him. He went down to pipes and scored over the fences and he jumped brilliant. I mean, jumping's his, his main asset. So um, if he gets into a nice rhythm, then 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 he should um, he could run a big race. The one thing about him that I thought was, was almost guaranteed was, was stamina, that, that he now does look like a horse that, that wants a proper marathon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when he looked beat three out in the Welsh National, he came back again and he galloped right through the line. So um, there's no doubt about that. And, and to be fair, he's been running with a lot of weight on his back for, for most of his most of his career. So only having 10 tens are a blessing for him. You you ran a horse in the race last year, Fiddler on the Roof, who ran extremely well and fared the best of the, the British trained horses. Um, how would you compare the two horses? Very similar, you know, they're running on very similar marks. He's, you know, there's only a pound between what what they were and, and achievement-wise. Uh, you know, perhaps Fiddler achieved a little bit more in, in his Coral Gold Cup. But um, but but they'd be very similar types, you know, both both gallopers that got a bit of class and just sort of teetering, teetering in that. In, you know, I think there's a big handicap in both of them. Aintree's ha- been a happy hunting ground for you and the, the team over the last few years. What sort of size team are you expecting to field this week? No, four, four or five, um, be three, two or three on Friday and, and a couple on, on Saturday. So smaller than we've had in the past, but that's just um, where we are with the horses at the moment. And um, but, uh, but, you know, everything we're taking up there, you can make a case for. Are you going to run JPR1? Because I was quite impressed with his comeback at Taunton. Yeah, we are. He's hopefully going to get in the two mile four handicap up there. He's just worked lovely this morning. Um, you know, he's got he needs ten above him to drop out, but I think I think he should just sneak in. Um, so he's he's planning on coming up, and we were chuffed a bit of him. We just had a he had a little kissing spine in the in a pulled muscle before Christmas, so we changed the plan and and so we give him a couple of hurdle runs and go chasing again next year. But um, he come on for his run at Taunton, and yeah, we're going to have a have a pop at him. Killer Kane in the top him. Killer Kane in the top him, yeah, and then Eldorado Allen. He's actually got three entries, but um, I'm just going to watch the entries for the bowl this morning. I, I, I've put him in the in the stairs hurdle as well, and and the three mile handicap chase. So he's dropped to one five eight. So we're just going to. I said to John and Terry, I said I spend a bit of money on entries, but hopefully we'll pick the right one for him. All right, good stuff, Joe. Thanks so much. Cheers, Nick. So it is Tuesday, which means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, their excellent stallion book and their global stallion app, in which and on which you will find the stallions that are currently located at Clongiffen Stud near Enfield in the heart of the famed bloodstock region of County Meath under the stewardship of Robert Honor, who succeeded his late father, Winston. And Robert joins me now. Robert, very good to welcome you to the show. First of all, tell me a little of the history of, of Clongiffen. Good morning, Nick. Um, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, um, as you said, myself and my dad, uh, we, we worked here. Um, we've had stallions for a while. We've we've had, uh, we started with Leiden Council and we had Robertico and Woods of Windsor, um, Katob, Mustamit. Um, uh, so, yeah, look at Lavrock and... Um, Yes, lots of stallions, and the two men at the moment is Austrian School and Cool Company. It it strikes me just looking at your your roster that you've you've tried to be at right angles to the crowd. Is that is that fair enough? Trying to just uh, maybe do something a bit different. Um, looking at sort of what the the the, the French model and maybe. Um, 
yeah um i just like with austrian school i just i love the idea that he's a half brother to tiger roll and azima you can't get their genes um they bring you know he brings something very different you know with with some quality jump jump sires uh, jump horses in his his pedigree it's um it's it's not what uh, you know. It's not the typical thing from an Irish point of view. He's a good racehorse himself. You know, he he could win at a mile to a mile and three quarters. But you know, Tiger Roll was such a legend, and he you know he was trained down the road beside me with uh, Gordon Ellis. Um, I just uh, just felt he was a, a great opportunity for breeders to um, to maybe breed the next Tiger Roll. I was um, I was reading a piece that you you'd done with with the excellent Martin Stevens in his in his Racing Post um, uh, newsletter that goes out every every morning, uh, and and I was very struck by what you were saying about the size of national hunt horses and what people seem to want from them nowadays relative to what you believe actually makes the optimal athlete. Um, just flesh that out for, for for our listeners a little bit. It's the it's a little bit of a disconnect from the 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 racetrack to the to the you know from the sales ring to the racetrack. But you know, I mean, yes, there's there's a place for them all. Uh, size is important, but it it, it is um, it it has become a, a, a huge uh, you know they they want this big 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 horse that's um, you know to go point to point and to win the four-year-old point to point and impress people at the at the boutique sale and um, that seems to be the model um, but you know to 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 be to to take to, to take a lot of that training and if you're very big it's probably a big ask to uh, to come to hand um, you know to be broken riding and be schooling a lot as a three-year-old and be ready to go as a four-year-old it's 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 a big ask for maybe a horse that's heading for 17 hands so you feel that if they're a little more a little more compact and uh, a little less a little less big to to put no finer point upon it that you could actually get more effective groundwork into them faster without leaving any any lasting damage a horse at sixteen one is is a is a is a fine horse, and there's there's plenty of options for him. Um, I mean, I know. I suppose that. I suppose is it that Gold Cup type out and out? You know that that big galloping horse. That you know the 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 that that's what what people want. But um, there there's there's more than there's more than one race and there's lots of options and different ground and different distances and there's you know it's um just uh, the market is kind of focused around one one area that's um dominating maybe at the moment the other the other point that i was struck by in 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 martin's piece was your your comments about fillies now we've we've bolstered our our, our program for fillies and mares in britain and ireland significantly in the last in the last decade Am I right in thinking that you believe it's not quite enough still? I I'm 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 thinking it's around fourteen hundred uh, national hunt races in a in a in a season, and off the top of my head, I think it's two hundred races for fillies. So does that sound proportionate to you? 
I suppose it's a question of whether you you go wholesale and run the model like you run the model on the flat. Yeah, well, look, at I, I mean, I don't know if the funding and the appetite is for it there. It was quite a struggle to get it to where it is. Um, and it's it has it has improved the thing a lot. Phillies aren't aren't as undesirable as they used to be. Um, and we have turned up some amazing fillies in the last last decade. Do you know, I mean, sure, honeysuckle is just, and there's there's more than her. But you know, the more fillies that are tried, the more good ones you're going to find. And at the end of the day, it's fifty fifty. You know, give or take, it's going to be fifty percent colds, fifty percent fillies. Um, although it mightn't seem like that to breeders at times, but. Um, yeah, I look at it's. Um, yeah, it, that, that's the market we're in. That's that's where we are. Um, but yeah, I, 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 to the best of my knowledge, it's only about two hundred races for for um, for fillies in Ireland out of fourteen hundred. So that's a long way from. That's nothing close to fifty uh, percent. Now the other stallion that you've got at the moment is Cool Company, and again, there's there's method to this as well because he's he's by a horse who left a, a a major and rather unexpected legacy on the breed before his untimely passing in in Jeremy. Absolutely, look, the Danehill Dancer line is is working working very well. We saw that yesterday um, for Andrew McNamara, but. Uh, Jeremy in particular is he stands out head and shoulders um, you know and yeah I, I just feel that Cool Company is uh, well I think even Martin Stevens said he's the horse that most resembles his late sire um, do you know sure he looks like him the big white face and he's he's strong like the soft ground Um yeah, I I just think it's it's um, gives a great option there. His um, his full brother Prussian Eagle was a group. It was a group, a Grade One performer over hurls. So it kind of ties in that it's not a stretch of the imagination that this this you know it's there's, again you have jump horses in his in his pedigree. Um, just a beautiful, powerful horse. Um, he was you know he's fast. He you know he could win at a mile um, but Jeremy just left such a legacy I think I think he's nine years past now and you know he's constantly there in the in the in the top you know top 15 uh, in the in the in the stallion table and I think after nine years you know to still be relevant to still be talking about him there must be they must be very tough, sound, resilient horses to last and to, to race and to take their race. And so, yeah, if, if we can get a get a, a piece of that, we'd. Um, I think it's give it again. It's 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 given given breeders a great option to breed a, you know, a, a tough, genuine, uh, lasting racehorse that's more than a one trick pony like. All right, my thanks to Robin with some interesting thoughts on the world of bloodstock and good luck to him for the rest of this season. Lee Mottisett is still with me and has some advice for you for, well, I don't know, the floor is yours really, Lee. Obviously, I'll be, we'll be getting your Grand National tip on Friday. Yes. So you don't, need to, you don't need to shoot that one out just yet. But what else have you got? Yeah, well, so my, my, so my, my first technique would be that um, no matter where you are, get to entry on Thursday. My second tip would be that why not have a day at Pontefract? 
this afternoon. You, you, you know that spring has sprung when Pontefract stages its opening season of the, the flat campaign. Uh, Mick Appleby had a tremendous winter on the sand as usual. and uh, One of his horses, King of Bavaria, uh, ran a decent second when we most recently saw him. He's a horse that came to the yard from uh, Ballydoll, running for the stable for the first time on turf uh, this afternoon. And I think King of Bavaria might win the very elegantly titled who will be the first Yorkshire Wonder Horse handicap at 3.30. All right, Lee, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was Tuesday, April the 11th. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.